This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Guardian Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Interesting day. And by interesting, I mean not very interesting. <laughs> the Guardians didn't make any big trades. They traded Sandy Leone to the Minnesota Twins for Ian Hamilton, a relief pitcher, who actually has kind of good numbers, but not really somebody seen as a big prospect per se. Um, so pretty interesting that the Guardians did not make any moves. Hamilton is a 27-year-old relief pitcher. He's pitched just a little bit in the majors, but mostly been in the minors his whole career. Uh, in the minors this year in AAA as a 27-year-old, he's had a 1.88 ERA, a 3.37 FIP, and a 3.11 XFIP. So... He's been a solid pitcher, but not really somebody to get super excited about. That's why they were able to get him for Sandy Leone heading over to Minnesota. That's where the the team is right now. You know, there were some moves made today, obviously big moves. Juan Soto moving, Josh Bell moving. The only ones that kind of bothered me were the Twins acquiring Jorge Lopez and Michael Fulmer. Uh, both relief pitchers, both pretty darn good relief pitchers. And I felt like the Guardians absolutely could have been on both of those trades and definitely paid and got those players. And I wanted them to get one reliever, especially if there was a chance to beat out Minnesota for a reliever. And so it uh, it was frustrating to see them not do that. But I, I do understand Minnesota did pay a good good price for both of those relievers in terms of the prospects they sent back and I do understand that relievers are you know pretty easily made from failed starters and the Guardians are doing that pretty effectively and I'm sure will continue to do so just was hoping for this year that they could have got one of those guys to help out in the pen to replace Brian Shaw in the pen and you know just Andrew Chafin from the Tigers would have been great feel like he was probably too expensive for them and they just didn't do it. The other one that was super upsetting was the Twins getting Tyler Malley. Guardians absolutely could have topped that package. Again, it was a good package, but not overwhelming. You know, that guys that are pretty good, and uh, especially that the young pitcher that they acquired got some really great numbers from Minnesota. I think Cincinnati made it out well in that trade. But I think the Guardians absolutely could have topped it with Major League Ready talent that would be a little bit higher on the scale and really given themselves a better shot to win the division this year by doing that. Tyler Malley was the one that was most upsetting to me. Now, I was hoping that the Guardians might be in on Sean Murphy. It looks like the A's and the Guardians from Zach Meisel's report just couldn't quite agree on what the cost should be for Murphy, and maybe they might revisit it in the offseason. 
I, you know, just it's one of those things like if you think you have a shot to win the division, it's probably worth overpaying a little bit to get a guy like Murphy here you're going to have for a while. But the Guardians apparently didn't want to block Bo Naylor in any way, didn't want to create a situation where they had two great catchers so they had to figure out where to find at bats for, which I think is dumb. I don't know why they would worry about that, you know, because you can absolutely flip a catcher if you need be. Or usually have a catcher learn how to play first base. Or maybe Bonehler's athletic enough to play a little left field. And then you save the wear and tear on their bodies. But they didn't go that direction. They didn't add a catcher. Confusing to me because I really thought, um, you know, I think a couple weeks ago I, I've been talking about how I kind of expected them to just move on from Franmill and that might be about it. But then when you get to the end of July and the team's only a game out of first base, place it seems like their typical modus operandi is to just add a little bit to the team and give themselves a bite of that postseason apple so i began to expect that to be the case that they would probably do that and it just didn't turn out that they did and of course everyone's saying that you know the 40 man is overloaded with prospects what are you going to do with all these prospects and i mean i do think that you can usually figure out your way through that i'm not totally sure how much they've painted themselves into a corner with this. Like teams know that they have to get rid of prospects, so they're going to ask for better prospects or they're going to say, I'll give you trash for your decent prospect. I don't know. I think teams, you know, they might try to use that to their advantage, but if teams value and like a player, they'll make a deal for that player. And there's guys that the Guardians have that teams should like and admire. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge that it's disappointing that they didn't add at the trade deadline. And uh, Zach Meisel's article was great. He talked about how a player kind of implied, oh, you know, hey, it would be nice to get a little bit of help. We like the guys we have, but to get a little bit of help would be nice. I think most players probably kind of feel that way that, you know, you see the Twins adding and the Guardians didn't really add anybody. It kind of makes you wonder, like, hey, is this... You know, is the ownership in the front office as invested in what we're doing as we are? And uh, you don't want your players to have to ask that question. Uh, so I think we should acknowledge that. I don't really buy that it's necessarily the Dolan saying, hey, we don't want to spend more money. I think they probably don't want to spend more money on $7 million for Andrew Chafin, which is dumb. But I think the right player, they wouldn't have any issues spending some money to help out the team. Because that's kind of how they've been in the past. I don't see a big reason that that would change. So I don't think that's it. I don't necessarily know that it's prospect hugging. That's what it kind of seems like the most. That the Guardians really like the players that they have. And if other teams don't accept those values, they're just not going to trade them until they're forced to trade them. But I don't know. It just doesn't seem like that's always the case. Sometimes I wonder if teams are thinking the Guardians are pretty darn good at evaluating players, so they're not going to trade with the Guardians unless the Guardians give up prospects that they're pretty sure are good. So what if the the Guardians went to Cincinnati and Cincinnati said, we're going to need one of your top five prospects for Tyler Malley, and the Guardians would be like, well, but you know our 6 through 10 prospects are as good as what you're going to get from any other team in their top five prospects for Tyler Malley. 
and uh, you know what? And the, and the Reds are like, no, we just want these players because we know they're good and we we can trust that much. Whereas we think he might be taking advantage of us with some of these other guys. I don't know. I'm just kind of throwing things out there to try to figure it out because it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I don't understand why they didn't add a little bit to the team. But they didn't, and so it's time to move on. It's time to move on to the rest of the season and root for the team to surprise and shock the world by winning the division and see guys you know, learn and grow and develop. It's sad to think we're kind of wasting another year of Jose Ramirez and Shane Bieber's prime. I mean, you also have to wonder how long are your relievers who are throwing well this year going to be able to throw well. Really, the team has been pretty darn healthy all year long, and you got to kind of take advantage of that luck when you get it, when your team remains healthy. So that's why I would have gone in a little bit more. I would have done what it took to try to get one more starting pitcher. And then, you know, I feel like I would have really gone after trying to improve the catching position. It didn't even have to be Sean Murphy. You know, we went through a whole bunch of different examples. and Or even a rental like Christian Vasquez from the uh, Red Sox would have helped a little bit. But they didn't do it, so now it's time to move on. I thought we might kind of say to ourselves, what now? What do they do? Well, we work on developing players. We get a chance to look at Will Benson now. Hopefully we get a chance to look at Will Brennan, maybe Tyler Freeman, maybe Gabriel Arias, maybe Gabriel Arias, maybe um, Brian Lavastida at some point. Uh, of course, pitchers coming up. Xavion Curry threw seven shutout innings for Columbus today, so maybe he comes up and pitches soon. Please, God, let some of them come up and pitch soon, like Peyton Battenfield, so we don't have the Sean McCarty days over and over. Uh, and uh, maybe at some point we see Hunter Gaddis, Logan Allen, even Joey Cantillo. Those would all be exciting players to see on the Major League roster and see them continue to develop. I've mentioned before, as I talked about the second half of the season, my number one priority for the second half of the season is that Daniel Espino would get healthy and be able to make a few starts before the end of the year. So hopefully we'll hear about that soon. Now I want to take a look at the 40-man roster and some of the complications that the team has coming up. Now, as far as the current state of the 40-man roster, you know, it's full. But there is some wiggle room of the guys that we either have on the roster now or expect to add to the roster in the offseason. Guys who should be major league ready at some point in 2023, some point early 2023 probably, uh, Naylor and Lavastida. I suspect that the team will probably re-sign Hedges to have him work with Naylor for a while. I think Luke Maley's probably out the door. Uh, first base, Josh Naylor. And then Owen Miller is playing some first base pretty poorly. Uh, and then Will Benson played some first base, and Jones has played, Nolan Jones has played one uh, start at first base in uh, AAA. So it's tough to say exactly who's your first baseman besides Josh Naylor, who's maybe not healthy enough to do it all the time. May not ever be with this ankle. Who knows exactly? So first base is a little bit of a question mark there. Miller is not a first baseman. He doesn't hit well enough to be a first baseman, and he hasn't taken to the fielding there. Though he was looking better of late, but today had kind of a step back. By the way, the Diamondbacks beat the Guardians 6-3 and just put a capper on a disappointing day. Second base, Andre Simenez is there now, Tyler Freeman, Jose Tania, Brian Rocchio, Owen Miller, I believe, is the second baseman, and Richie Palacios, 
as our friend Willie Hood, who was on the podcast, reminds me, Palacios could probably still best be fitted as a second baseman. So remembering that to have him there. Uh, shortstop, Ahmed Rosario, Gabriel Arias, Andres Jimenez, Brian Rocchio, Jose Tina. I don't think that Tyler Freeman is probably long-term for shortstop, so I didn't put him there. Third base, that's Jose. Arias could fill in there if need be. wonder if Ahmed Rosario could, too. Keep wondering about that. But anyway, left field, Quan, Will Brennan, Nolan Jones, George Valera, Richie Palacios, all those guys should be ready pretty early on in 2023. Center fields, Miles Straw, Stephen Kwan, Will Brennan, Valera, and Will Benson. Maybe don't want to put Will Benson out there, but he has played some center field. Right field, Oscar Gonzalez, Nolan Jones, George Valera, Will Benson. DH, Fran Mil Reyes. Oscar Gonzalez, Josh Naylor, and of course anybody can play at DH as they rotate him in and out, and I think that's the team's plan. Now, Framo Reyes is in the minors. It seems like the team's probably likely to move on from him, but it could also be that they want him to work with coaches down there to see if he can find what he lost, and if they could bring him up before the beginning of the year and he crushes some home runs, he might give you hope that maybe he's figuring things out. So, I don't completely cross him off the list, but certainly he's trending towards either getting non-tendered or traded in the offseason. Starting pitchers. Obviously, we know Bieber, McKenzie, Savali, Plesak, Quantrill. But coming up very soon, Connor Pilkington. He's spending some time in rotation. Uh, Peyton Battenfield, Savion Curry, Hunter Gaddis, and Joey Cantillo. All knocking on the door. All need to be added to the 40-man, those guys that I just listed in the offseason. Relief pitchers, I think Cody Morris probably ends up as a relief pitcher. I think Carlos Vargas, even though they're trying to stretch him out as a starter, probably ends up a relief pitcher. And those are some pretty exciting guys to have around. Nick Sandlin, James Karinchek, Sam Hinches, Angel De Los Santos, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steffen, Emmanuel Classe. Even though they didn't add a relief arm at the deadline, their bullpen looks pretty good. So I feel pretty good about that overall. So for the roster for next year in the offseason, you can, you know, kind of reasonably say they're going to move on from Brian Shaw, please, Lord, please, uh, from Luke Maley, from Anthony Castro. They can move on from Hedges. They can move on from McCarty. They can move on from Alex Call, even though I wouldn't be opposed to Alex Call finding his way onto the team. They can move on from Ernie Clement. I really think they need to do that and work one of these middle infielders into that role who's got a lot more ceiling. They can move on from, uh, you know, they can move on from Hankins, uh, who's coming up for the 40-man next offseason. He's not on the 40-man right now. You know, he hasn't pitched in forever. I don't know that I would keep him. I'd probably risk it to see if some team takes him and not put him on the 40-man. So you're getting close to the point where you can add guys like Angel Martinez, Bo Naylor, Will Brennan, Xavier Curry, Peyton Battenfield, Hunter Gaddis, and Joey Cantillo to the roster. There are some relief guys who might be of interest to add too, but generally speaking, I would, unless you have an elite reliever, I'd let them be exposed to the roll five. If somebody wants to take them, then hey, good luck to them. It's possible that the team might say to, hey, you know, we're not going to put 
Carlos Vargas through this again. We'll trade him because he hasn't quite got things together. He can throw 100 miles an hour, though, so that's tough to do. Um, I think, you know, the team will probably move on from Anthony Ghosts. Um, and uh, those are all guys that you can kind of say, okay, I, I don't think, yeah, I think they'll move on from Anthony Ghost. So you can kind of fit everybody on the roster that you need to at the end of the season. But again, you have a roster that's full of guys who have little to no major league experience. And that's the big deal. Is, is that the way the team wants to handle things, or do they want to try to get to the point they have a more experienced roster and ready to make a deep run? And I think we're all hoping for the latter. So I guess my point in all this is that the team can get the people that they want on the 40-man roster by December. That's not a difficult thing for them to do. But I do expect them to make some moves, at least to move on, probably from Framil Reyes, maybe from some other guys like Richie Palacios, Owen Miller, maybe even Ahmed Rosario. And you'll start to see some of these pieces come off the table. The question is, is the team going to really look at things and say, okay, what do we need to add to really make a playoff run? And you can call me naive. You can call me silly. I just really think that's probably what they're going to do in the offseason, that they'll finally say, hey, we've got so many middle infield prospects. Now we have so many outfield prospects and a ton of pitching. Let's try to put some of these pieces together and find a right-handed hitter, who can play first base in the outfield or multiple positions on the infield in the outfield. Uh, or if we can find another starting pitcher in a bigger move, or if we can find a major league quality catcher to pair along with Bo Naylor, who maybe can hit a little bit more than Austin Hedges or Luke Maley. Still think that's going to happen. I know it must seem crazy because it didn't happen today, but I still think eventually that's where they end up. Well, I hope this made you feel a little bit better kind of walking through the players that we have, exciting players that will be fun to watch in this coming, the rest of this coming season. We'll root for them to surpass, you know, the expectations that keep getting put on them and, and to just show the front office that they made the right decision, as frustrating as it might be, by pulling together and doing some amazing things. And I, for one, am going to look forward to enjoying that, even as I was disappointed today. Don't forget to check out SheetsGiggles.com for some great betting, uh, great gifts to give for your partner. If you're thinking of something special to kind of make their life a little more luxurious, some sustainably made sheets infused with eucalyptus to help you sleep and help save the environment, check out SheetsGiggles.com. And when you check out your items, make sure to use the promo code GUARDIANS to save 15%. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.